You're now listening to J House Radio in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Wine be the gang and you know them niggas Boot it up, turned up, piped up I'm back, baby, where the love at? I'm back, baby, where the love at? game what's up man <clears throat> what's up man what's up bro how you doing today man doing great doing great doing great same man same got my coffee you know i'm chilled and uh yeah man what is up what is going on man not much but real quick before we start the podcast i want to uh just say a few quick words because i don't know if anybody knows this but today is uh the first ever Black Mamba Day. Yeah. So I just really wanted real quick to uh, to share my appreciation for the legacy of the great Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Uh, I remember real quick, just, you know, growing up, I was never a Laker fan, so obviously I never really pulled much for Kobe Bryant. But my God, did I love to watch him play. Yeah. He, uh... The Mamba mentality, the attacking, all of that. Uh, I mean, just a true legend. Uh, an all-time great, gone too soon. Uh, big respect to Kobe Bryant. Yeah, a true competitor at, at heart. Um, dude just never wanted to lose, and it showed, man. He gave everyone problems, everyone. And... Um, even and and even more than that, I respected his his business acumen outside the court, man. That was something to learn from that because you know post basketball, what was Kobe doing? Kobe was getting in the in the sports agency business. He was getting into the financial business. He had invested in uh, you know co- big companies like um, uh, Fortnite was one of them. I read he invested in Fortnite. You know, uh, got a big return off that and a couple of other companies as well. Just so many business ventures. And, um, man, he was a real businessman as well as um, just as good, if not better than he was on the court as an athlete, man. So, um, yeah, shout out to Kobe, man. Shout out to the Bryant family, bro. A legend forever. Last thing, this is a complete 180 in tone in terms of the uh, tone, but still on basketball real quick before we get into fandom. Yeah, I, I just I just have a question. If anybody's listening, I have a question, and and th- this is for the Clipper fans. I have a question. Where is this team that I kept being told is unbeatable? Where are they at? <laughs> Where's superstar Paul George? I ain't seen him yet. I got we, mm. might, need, we might need to put a, a a missing persons report out, Eric, because I can't yeah. find Paul George. We I can can't find, find him. I can find Luca. I can find Luka Doncic. He, oh my God! I can. I, I can't get away from Luka. Right. That boy, oh man! And you about Skip Bayless, man. I was listening to Skip. He ha, like I can understand Charles wanting to. He actually said he wants to put his foot up Skip's ass. Cause I mean, look, I never gave the Trailblazers any chance to beat the Lakers. Yeah. And I, I never did. However. I'm not going to stand here and disrespect Damian Lillard. Right. I acknowledge 
how sensational he's been. And I admire the hell out of him for te- for rallying his team and saying, we are not going to miss the playoffs. We're going right. to get there. And and damn it, they got there. They played right. – game played sensationally well. Uh, and they picked up the first dub against the Lakers. That's in, incredibly impressive, and that's – one expected them to do so. And then the right. – flip side of that for him to even try and discredit what Luca is doing to that Clipper team is laughable. The man right. is averaging 31 points a game on this team. He's making these guys look goofy trying to guard him. Right. And how, how much more do you need? I mean, how much, how much, and, and even this brother disrespect being shown toward Luca people saying, oh, he's not a top five uh, player right now. I'm like, what more does he have to prove to be a top five outside of winning the championship, which is everyone's goal. But how long are you going to deny Luca respect? Like Stephen A said, I agree with Stephen A. That's the bad, that's a bad, bad white boy right there. The baddest one since Larry Bird, the bad, bad, bad boy, man. And I'm like, he can ball dude can ball so i'm like how what else do you want him to do to prove that he's a top five buzzer beaters are definitely a part of that we're talking about devin booker being a top five right now i mean where's that respect for luca i mean luca's there as well so well i mean i can't think i mean we name five players that i'd rather start a team around than luca but in terms of best right now I can't think of five players playing better than him. Yeah. I mean, I would argue right now that nobody's playing better than Luca. Uh, right. And last dude, I'll never, yesterday I was watching this game and I'm watching it. I turned it on. It was the second. And the Mavericks are getting their asses waxed. It's like a 21 point game. The Clippers are killing them. And I'm like, oh, well. Whatever. It was a nice spot last. I turn it back over in the damn fourth quarter, Eric, and it's like a four-point game. I'm yeah. like, what the hell happened here? And then I watch, I watch in overtime two things happen. The first one being the, the so-called best player in the league, Kawhi Leonard, misses a three. Missed it. The yeah. so-called best player in the league. And then Luca on the other end, Puts one right in Reggie Jack uh, Reggie Jackson's face, right yeah. in there. Told him, "Hey, eat this." And he, dude, I'm telling you, that shot hurt. I, I I don't care what people say, man. Right now, Clippers are in trouble. Their pride won't let them admit it, but they're yeah. in they're in some deep shit. They're in all some- and and look, all that trash talk they did about, you know, Dame Lillard and stuff and all that. First off, Dame Lillard dropped off Paul and Beverly consecutively for the previous two years, dropped both of y'all off and sent y'all home to go sit at home on the couch. So not hearing that. The pressure isn't on Portland. If Portland loses the series, you know, to the Lakers, there's not going to be a blemish on their record because, number one, no one expected them to be there anyway. But the fact that they are, speaks as a testament to them as a team you on the other hand are expected to be there you're expected to be in it the pressure isn't on the lakers the lakers are handling business right now but you're expected to be there so if you don't make it this year what are you going to do if you get eliminated by the mavs what are you going to do 
what is Paul George going to do? Go and switch to another team again like he did before? What are you, what, what you going to do? You want to be effective at both ends of the floor, and then you send out a tweet dissing James Harden saying that James, James is being effective right now. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's offense or defense, but at least James is being James, and Houston is dangerous. <laughs> I well, fear Houston more than I Clippers. James Harden, though, we never really expect him to play defense. Like, we know that James exactly. Harden- that James Harden is just an elite scorer, which he freaking right. is. James Harden will drop 50 on anybody on any given night. Because that's right. When he's insane. When James gets hot, he's probably – when James gets hot, he's probably one of the top three scorers in the league when he's hot. Right. Um, but, yeah, I'm about to throw up listening to these excuses from Clipper fans talking about they just ain't got their act together yet. We are four games into the playoffs after damn near a full season, and the Clippers still ain't got it together. Y'all ain't ready. Still, if this was like two months into the season, okay, fine. But we done played a whole season, or three quarters of a season. We played in the bubble. Now we're in the playoffs, and people are still telling me ain't got it together. Right. Uh, I mean, what's up? Someone's got it. I mean, I need someone to explain this shit to me. Because I was told this Clipper team, everybody plays defense. Kawhi and Paul George are the best duo in the NBA, which I knew from the beginning was bullshit because LeBron and AD are the best duo in the league. But right now, it's looking like Chris Stapps and Luka are a better duo than Kawhi and Paul George because Kawhi, uh, all Paul George can do is throw up bricks. That's all he's yeah. doing. That man's out there throwing up bricks. And Build you know what? I, I heard Skip Bayless. This is the last thing I'm going to say on basketball because we got a lot to break down with fandom. Uh, yeah. I heard Skip Bayless say, and I about wanted to throw up, this team lives and dies by Kawhi Leonard. Whoa, 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 whoa. That is not what I've heard all year. I've heard that this is a stacked team from top to bottom that got the best bench in the NBA. Yeah. I heard that everybody on this team can ball. So I don't want to hear that if Kawhi has a bad game, they can't win. Because the mark of a great team is the ability to win when your best player has an off night. Yeah. Like whenever LeBron uh, in game two, I think it was, where they uh, just shellacked the Trailblazers. LeBron didn't play his best game, but no matter. Why? Because AD was there, and he stepped up, and he took the mantle. It seems to me there's nobody on the Clippers who can step up whenever Paul George is throwing up bricks. Right. So I just wanted to get that little trolling out there real quick because I've been sick and damn tired of this Clipper love fest. I acknowledge they're a good team. I acknowledge that. But the disrespect being thrown LeBron's way is unacceptable. And I'm yeah. not going to stand here and listen to it. Yeah, that's true. And, and we won't have it because right now we're clearly seeing who the king of L.A. is and what team is the dominant team in L.A. No, so. It was, was always LeBron. Look, I love Kawhi Leonard. That's my man. But Come on, man. LeBron James is the king of L.A. Like, don't even – uh-uh. Because, yeah. look, Kawhi Leonard last year 
that was his first year on a team as the number one option. Yeah, he won a title with the Spurs, but that was not Kawhi's team. That was Tim Duncan's team. That was yeah. Tony Parker's team. Kawhi was the fourth option, but he happened to be the best player that year. And he he also won a title in, in with the Raptors. So that I think that alone is what made them think that he was going to be, which he can be. But as of right now, it's not showing. But, but my point being is his when he was in Toronto, that was his first time experiencing this is my team. And also, I hate to take away from him, but that team got pretty damn lucky with Kevin Durant getting hurt. And then Clay Thompson got hurt. So they got to beat a very injured Golden State Warriors team. Yeah. Because that them Warriors would have shellacked the Raptors if KD and Clay would have been there. But is what it is. On to fandom. On to fandom. Sorry, viewers at home. We just got to talk sports. We have to because, like, bruh, sports is back in full swing. Full, uh, full swing. Who's not going to talk about, you know, what's going on in the NBA, All MLB? King James. For real. We got 22 days until the NFL season starts. Like, who's not hyped right now about sports, period? Yeah. Go Pat, go, baby. Not really. <laughs> Not really excited for this season after that shitty draft class. I would, Y'all, look, I would, this is a discussion for another time, but we I promise you, you guys are not in that bad of a position. You guys. Tell you what, though, let me say this. I saw some practice videos of A.J. Dillon, the running back that they got in the second round. Mm-hmm. This brother might be the real deal. He just might. He, <laughs> he just might, dude. He. They posted a picture of this dude. He's got legs bigger than my torso, and they got some videos of him running. He might just be a he might just be a baller. Yeah, we'll see. But anyway, we'll see. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead, man. I was about to say. Anyways, on to fandom. Unless you got something to say. On to fandom, uh, man. Yesterday we broke down uh, the Batman and Zack Snyder's JL trailer. We got to go in depth talking about everything that was going on with that um i did get to go back and watch the multiverse video um concerning the multiverse and like i said uh the details of the multiverse haven't been expressed yet in full by dc i believe it's going to be at part two of fandom but um what i got from that video looking at all the different earths like we're talking about uh star girl which is on the cw um you know that's earth two um, as they labeled it, Ryan Reynolds, Green Lantern is Earth 12. Um, DC TV Swamp Thing uh, is a part of um, Earth 12 as well, if I'm not mistaken. No, that's um, no Earth 9, along with the DC, along with the DC TV Titans as well. Doom Patrol is Earth 21. Just uh, a few prime examples. Arrow versus Earth Prime. Um, you know, Brendan Rouse is Earth 96. You know, so I mean, ju- it just goes on and on. They're already digging deep into this concept of the multiverse. And then you have the main DC Cinematic Universe, which they haven't labeled yet, but they will at the second part of fandom. So they're throwing themselves deep into this multiverse concept, man. And um, and it's just an awesome thing to me. I think that opens up the door to be able to appreciate so much, um, and it really every aspect and every era of the DC uh, cinematic universe. 
Um, and so with that being said, the first, the other project that we were excited about outside of Zach's jail and the Batman is the suicide squad. And, and I know that, and I always note this because we've had so many discussions on suicide, the first suicide squad. Um, go ahead. What were you saying? I was just saying, ugh. Yeah. Suicide squad. Yeah. And, and I know, and I know you have your disdain for it. And 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 what I'm proud of DC for doing is, you know, instead of throwing it away totally, you know, they still take what was what was good about that, you know, the cast mainly, and they still move forward with it. It is listed as a soft reboot stat slash standalone sequel to Suicide Squad. So it is a sequel with a soft reboot, meaning they're just you know, changing some things slightly, same cast for the most part, adding some new things and then just doing a new story, but it is still a sequel. So for people at home, yes, there, this is suicide squad too. This is the second one. So, um, you know, with that being said, the behind the scenes looks at this thing, bro, were just like crazy. And they have me so excited. We heard things along the lines of, you know, this is the most biggest ambitious uh, Suicide Squad movie ever. You know, heard things along the lines of there will be everything exploding. We're talking about heads, body parts, genitals, as said by one of the cast members. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, it's got me thinking, you know, it's got me thinking about how explosive this thing is going to be from the set alone, from the pictures that they've shown. Everybody is in comic book accurate suits re- down to Rick Flagg's yellow t-shirt from the first issues, bro. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Red. I noticed that. Uh, they got Harley Quinn back in the black and red. Back in the black and red. You got Polka Dot Man in the cut. Uh, and oh my, just so many like, bro, like it's just crazy, man. Like I, and it looks, it looks like it's going to be one of those, one of those kinds of movies. And, uh, you know, they said right when you think you know what's going on, James Gunn is just going to throw a curveball that's going to just like blow you sideways. That's going to be like, you know, so it, it looks exciting to me, man. It looks very good. Um, hold on one second. Go ahead. All right. So I'm trying to think of how to word this. I don't disagree with anything that you said about, uh, you know, the behind the scenes and everything else in the world looking really, really good. I, I agree with all that. It does look really, really good. Um, I do have some concerns though about, uh, about certain things. I mean, James Gunn, I think he's a good director, but when I told you that from the first Suicide Squad, I got a lot more Guardians of the Galaxy vibes. Yeah. Well, they got, they straight up got the dude that directed that film. So, I do have some concerns about that. But, I mean, let me start with the positives, and that is it does seem to me like they are going for the comic book act squad yeah and that's been a lot more evident with what the characters look like 
Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm very glad that they decided not to have Leto's Joker in this movie. Yeah. Not because I don't think Leto could play Joker, because I, I think they do. And I think he was a absolute wasted talent. Um, there's just no room for a Joker in this film. Yeah. Um, I certainly think it'll be much, much, much better than the Suicide Squad movie from 2017 or 16. Yeah. Right. But in all fairness, what is that really saying? That it's going to be better? Because, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, a potato on a screen for three hours is better. Uh, right. I mean, that's just my take on the film. But here's my biggest concern. Like, I, I am excited for this film overall, and I will watch it. Uh, I do like they're going to have King Shark in it um, and other things like that. But I'm worried about if the first film did so much damage that the, the there while there may be a lot of hype for this film, I don't know how much I trust it to actually do well when it comes to the box office and things like that. Um, simply because I, I just have this gut feeling that says that the original one may have really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And the fact that this film shares the same name, um, I don't know. I just kind of have this feeling like some people might not watch it because they're like, well, the first one was terrible. So why would I want to watch the second? Right. And, and that, that's a good question. Those are valid concerns. And I would say to that, that all people can do, all this film really can do, is just stand on its own. Because, you know, like you said, the Suicide Squad from 2016, you know, had a lot, you know, trying to bolster it. You know, you had Will Smith as Deadshot, no complaint there. You had Jared Leto as Joker, which really serve no purpose to the plot, you know, and, and that's a whole different conversation because some people enjoyed his Joker. Most, some people, you know, hated it, you know, you being among one and that's respectable, you know, not going to argue there, but um, it was really used as more of a marketing ploy to draw in more people for a comic book property that really wasn't that well known, um, but it's still a cult classic in the, in the world of comics. Um and I, and I think that as Guardians of the Galaxy did in the MCU, um, it stood on its own. People didn't know it was well known until the movie. And then not only then did it become a commercial and, and a big success. Um, I think that the same thing applies to the Suicide Squad. People are just going to have to take what James Gunn is giving at face value with this feature at Sneak Peek, you know, explaining what you're doing, showing on set, hey, we're abiding by the comics which in my opinion you can't ever go wrong doing that you know and the film's just gonna have to go to theaters and stand up on its own there's nothing else that you can do to hype this movie there's nothing else that you can try to assure people saying hey you know this is definitely going to be better than the first one all you have to do is because it's not a guaranteed case you know i mean of in, in some guaranteed cases like Zach's Justice League, we know darn well that that movie is going to be amazing and that it's going to be better than whatever happened in 2017. You but believe with, that it will be amazing. We haven't seen it yet. So if it's amazing, is yet to be seen. 
Man, I know. I, maybe that's just my bias, but yeah. It's 100% your bias, Eric. It's 100%. It's, it's, it's going to be lit. It's 100% your bias. That movie is a is a masterpiece already. It, but it, I, I'll die on that horse. I will die on that horse, bro. That's the horse. That's the hill I'm dying on. I'll take. Like I said Snyder could give y'all a potato on a screen for four hours, and you would be telling me how it was a revolutionary potato, and the background color he chose was spectacular. Changed it all. If 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 he that's gave the potato an interesting enough story, then I probably would. Exactly. And but yeah, I, I, hey, I have I have no shame in that right now, and I'm a proud DC fan, all for it. Um, but back, but sort of back to Suicide Squad, man. It's just like, you know, they're like I said, DC is entering this new era where they're just gonna have to stand on their own two feet. You know, they're just gonna have to stick with what they decided they were gonna do. You know, I, I'm uh, I'm very reassured in the fact that James Gunn said, "Hey, you know, openly this time there is no studio interference. There's nobody standing over my shoulder." that wants to cut all these certain parts out the film. They have given me total free bloody range to do whatever I want to do. I'm pretty sure this film's probably going to earn a rated R rating. There's no way a film like this with this cast is going to go rated R when you tell me a lots of things are going to be, there's no way that this mug gets a PG 13 rating. So, you know, DC doing DC. Can you go back some to your point about Guardians? You said something that I was wanting to respond to about how this film is kind of in the same boat as Guardians was when it came out or something to that effect. Yeah, what what I was saying was that no comic book wise, you know, yeah, the Guardians are known to the to everyone else not so much. So it was a you have you have movies that come out that end up being unexpected surprises. You just go and see it, and then, oh, my God, you know, it's just an unexpected hit. That's what Guardians of the Galaxy is. Nobody knew Guardians of the Galaxy, all that. They're not as commonly known like the Avengers were or the you know Justice League, per se. But regardless of that, putting the film out, doing what they did with it, and letting it stand on its own two feet for people to make that decision for themselves – I think is what made the film so successful. See, so, I, I have to disagree with some of it. I agree with you when you say that the Guardians are lesser known than the Avengers and things like that. But the difference is for this Suicide Squad film versus Guardians of the Galaxy, for me, the reason Guardians of the Galaxy made as much money as it did, to me, it's as simple as this. It's an MCU film. That's what Disney does. They're going to promote the shit out of a film. You can't escape it. There's unlimited resources for it. And whenever Guardians came out, the MCU was already huge. It was already, I mean, it's not as big as it is now, but it was still massive. It was still like bigger than most everything else. And so all it really needed was for people to tell it, hey, this is kind of the next chapter in the MCU. And they fought, yeah. And so for, I can I can agree with that. I'm not gonna argue. That's a good point. That's so, a good point. So to me, that's why Guardians is successful. It's it's and honestly, the same thing can be said about Doctor Strange. You know, Doctor Strange again. You have a not very 
I mean, Doctor Strange is, I would probably say, is arguably in terms of popularity for Marvel characters, but Tier 3 might be more accurate. I don't know. He Just for full disclosure, he's my favorite Marvel character, but I acknowledge that he's not even close to most popular, but his film still made a shit ton of money. Why? It's an MCU film. Um, yeah, and- and Disney's got that revenue. They can just keep the advertisements coming out. Um, right. But with the Suicide Squad, and, and see, this is something, again, that concerns me, is like the continuity. Because yeah. um, even last night, I was explaining to my mother, because she's a huge Michael Keaton Batman fan. Keaton. And yeah. That Keaton was coming back. Of course, she was excited. But then she got confused because later that night I was in the living room watching the trailer for the Robert Pattinson Batman film. And when the trailer was over, she's asking me, so where does Michael Keaton fit in this movie? And I'm like, so I had to explain for like 20 minutes what everything is. And I I don't know if she gets it. But see, that's my only concern with this is because... I think all these projects they're doing are very ambitious, and I think if it works, it'll be massive. But I'm very, very concerned about people being able to keep up. Obviously, people like me and you, who are diehard comic book fans, we're going to be able to keep up. Yeah, that's fine. We're yeah, but it's the general audience that concerns me because one thing that's impressive as hell about the MCU is the fact that yes, it's 20 plus films, but it's easy to follow. It's a straightforward continuity. Yeah, exactly. Which I think that's impressive as hell. Yeah. And and I, good. I I don't know if you have those same concerns like I do. So I, I don't, it, it just, it depends on how, um, you know, just as Mar- just as Marvel was able to, you know, lay out graphs and you know lay out a package deal saying, "Hey, this is the films here. Here's how they are in order, and this is where it's leading to and where it's going." If um, if Warner Brothers can can do that, which I totally trust Jim Lee to do that, I trust Greg Berlanti to do that with the job he's done with the DC, uh, on CW with, uh, I totally trust, um, Walter, uh, Hamada, who is the head over the DCEU. Now I totally trust those three to, uh, package this multiverse deal in a way that is simple and easy to understand. You know, we talk about all these different, cause DC in the comics has experimented a lot with continuity and multiverse ideals. You know, we can talk about DC metal, you know, with all the different continuities of what happened in this universe that, you know, you know, affected this certain universe. And, you know, we have so many DC stories that reference back to different eras of Batman, you know, or super or any character at the time, you know, the flash, things like that. So in comics for them, it's not that big of a problem, you know? So I think if it's not a deal of that big deal and they can make it totally understandable in comics, I think that Warner Brothers can package this together and be like, hey, this is this earth, this is this earth, and this is this earth. 
you know, and label it indistinctively. If we're watching a DCEU film, then we need to know that at the beginning in the title credits, hey, this is a DCEU film. You know, if we're if we're watching a black label film, it needs to have a DC black label title card with it saying, hey, this is the DC black label universe. So you can avoid confusion. And I think that that's something very uh, easy for people to understand, even with Fox, Fox at the time when they owned the X-Men and everything. It had Marvel on there, but it was just Marvel in the title card. And people under, well, it was, I still had it. Somehow I still had to explain to people like, they're like, wait, so is this a part of the MCU? No, this is, this is not, this is Fox. This isn't Disney, you know, but people knew when it was Disney because of Marvel studios. And that's how they're like, oh, okay. You know, so, but it's all about the package deal. It's about how they package this continuity and how they, you know, explain it. I kind of feel like there's a bit of a difference between, comic books and movies because when we talk comic books i mean the people that read comic books are like big time marvel and dc fans whereas the vast majority of people that go see these films fall into what we would call the general public i'm not concerned with dc fans being able to keep up and before anybody says that it doesn't matter if the general public can keep up, I'm going to have to disagree because it's their money that's going to fund DC to continue this. Right. So that's it's, where, yes, box office numbers do matter. Because if, yeah. a, if a company realizes that they're not making money off of these films, they're going to stop. Yeah. Which, is, which is why Warner Brothers is doing what they're doing now. Because after... Yeah. So after Birds of Prey tanked like it did, um, right. th- despite having a, you know, and that's right. the thing, as you know, you look at the actors that have been in these films, they've gotten some A-listers, but yeah. they're kind of scratching their heads like, how come more people aren't coming to see these films? Uh, well, because we don't know what the point of these films are. Right. And, and I'll submit this to you as well. I'll, I'll say this as well, man. The the public and the general audience, because superheroes are the hot property, I would submit to you that half of it would be that, you know, these conversations about continuity and where this certain movie takes place and such can can be had amongst people in the family. Like, I'm a prime example. If my parents don't understand it, I can easily sit there and be like, hey, this is what this is. And this is what they never like. Oh, OK. So I think I, I don't think I'm the only person that has a family like that, that you can you know, that everybody knows. Hey, ask him and he'll explain it. You know what I'm saying? I think these are easy conversations that can be had amongst families. But all in all, I will also say that the general audience, because they're so hot on superheroes, you know, will go and watch them anyway you know just because that's what's hot and 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 of course uh, and to your point as well i agree with your point as well you know you will lose money if you don't know what you're doing with uh with these films and i'll submit to you that that's what happened with the x-men you know they had a clear direction of where they were going once they did days of futures pat once they did the wolverine and then days of futures past when days of futures past happened they clearly explained hey we're, we're sort of switching things around because, you know, um, Brian's not Brian Singer, but, um, 
the director of first class had established that, you know, we have a story here about the X-Men about their younger days. This is the same one as Patrick Stewart and, you know, and everyone else and Ian McKellen, but they're younger. And they had established that it was a major success. It's one of the best comic book movies ever made. Um, And still to this day, I think that once they decided, okay, we can sort of phase out with Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart and replace them with, you know, um, replace them with um, the names. Michael, yeah, Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy. you know, the continuity can change. And that's a totally viable thing that they did with Days of Future's Past. They explained, hey, we're switching it up so we can do a new X-Men continuity starting over, you know, old cast meets new cast and then time travel, da-da-da. And then here you go. We can start something new. And then Fox ended up selling to, you know, I think they made some continuity errors when they decided to make the last Logan. You couldn't really help that because Hugh Jackman's been playing the character for so long. I get that. You don't just simply recast Hugh Jackman. So there's nothing you can do about that. Then you had the two Deadpool movies that took place in the modern continuity post uh, post Days of Futures Past, post um, X-Men Apocalypse. But then again, you're showing X-Men Apocalypse uh, as you know, a movie in the 80s that takes place in this new restarted continuity. And I think it all started to fall apart because you're not establishing a direction of where you're going. Will this lead to a new modern day X-Men team? What are you doing? You know, and then they did Dark Phoenix, which I think is the like the most pointless X-Men movie of all time. You know, and so they, they had been selling to Disney already and Disney just took it, you know, and then now they're releasing New Mutants, which I think, you know, what's the point of this movie? I don't expect any that, you know, because it's lost direction. So I totally, I, I think it's a yes and a no answer, and I totally understand well, both sides of that. Well, you just mentioned, I mean, you kind of proved my point there, because, you know, you're talking about X-Men, and that is... Yeah, there, there's as an example, yeah. A lot fewer moving parts there than there is with what DC's trying to do. Yeah. Like, DC's talking about, you know, we're going to connect everything Everything we do is going to exist together. And it's all, it's just different universes. And to me, it is a really cool idea. That idea. But I'm just concerned about, you know, that's a very ambitious project. It's a huge risk. Right. Uh, I mean, go ahead. But let me say this. I do think that it will take a risk. To get DC back in the game. Yeah. Uh, they can't go back single continuity again. They can't because of too many clashes of tone and things. They can't do that. I, I, no, see, that's why I kind of disagree because I, I think they could be fine doing like just occasional superhero trilogies because they've done it for so long and had incredible success. Yeah. With the, with the Nolan trilogy and the classic Batman movies from the 80s. I mean, those films by themselves were enough to get DC uh, on the map. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe times are different now. Um, But I don't know. That's just a concern that I'm having about, like, are people going to be able to keep up with this? I want to think yes, and I'm going to stay optimistic, and I'm going to trust Warner Brothers to present this in a way 
that everyone can understand. Yeah. Um, so. And, and judging from fandom, you know, number one and number two slots ranked on YouTube. Um, you know, just everything from the Batman trailer, all of that, Black Adam, just judging from I've ingested a lot of the comments, just looking at the general comments, you know, of everything, it looks like people can get with I think they it, it looks like they can get with it. Just judging off the, you know, judging off what I'm seeing, there's like I'm I'm not seeing any negativity coming off that you know so people are definitely open to this whole new ordeal based off the reaction to fandom and you know just all the news that's been coming out i think people are you know honestly ready because i mean and look i can't i can't you know and and we're i think we mean you have healed we're over that hump. we've healed over what has happened with dc and i think we're moving forward now um you know, I think people are, I think people are ready. You know, everyone's saying, you know, yeah, I can get with this new DC. If this is what they're going to do, I can, I can get with that, you know, so they're going to have to, they, they can't go anywhere else from here. They can't go backwards. They're going to have to continue forward, man. <laughs> well, it's like I told you, you know, you can't go anywhere, but up. Go up. Yeah. They, and speaking, go ahead. I'm sorry. They hit rock bottom. I mean, but let me say this though. I am not surprised in the slightest that the Batman movie was the number one most trending video on YouTube. That didn't surprise me at all, simply because I think a a Batman film is going to have hype just because it's Batman. And that, I mean, people can hate on him all they want. People can shit on Batman. They can say whatever about him. But the fact of the matter is, I would argue Batman may be by himself the single most box office superhero of all time. I would agree with that for sure. You, simply, like, simply because no character has had more, uh, more different versions played, more actors step up to play him. And I know now we're living in an age where, you know, Spider-Man is making a lot of money now, but it wasn't always that way. It wasn't, right. it wasn't really until Sam Raimi got a hold of Spider-Man that he really put Spider-Man, you know, on the big screen and made him amazing. Uh, the, yeah. ama- the, the amazing Spider-Man films kind of fell flat. Um, whether you like them or not, they kind of fell flat. They didn't really make all the money Sony had hoped. Um, so for me... That- Adds me, but that's just my person. That's a whole nother discussion. But go ahead. What'd you say? I said it saddens me because I really love those movies, especially the second one. But oh, I enjoyed the hell out of the second one. Don't get it twisted. Yeah, I think Jamie Foxx was a phenomenal villain. Um, Yeah, because he's one of those villains you really felt bad for. Uh, Yeah, they're the most comic accurate Spider-Man movies by far. Debatable when you look at Tom Holland's, but that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, so good for me. Like I said, Batman, he's the most box office super by, but before the MCU fans start throwing Avengers movies at me, which that's 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 five or six different superheroes all coming together for one film that's a crossover film. It's like the Golden State Warriors versus LeBron James. 
LeBron James is the most box office player in the NBA, but the Golden State Warriors, they were the biggest team overall. Like we all love we all love Steph Curry, but if we're being honest, LeBron's a bigger superstar than Steph and KD and uh, Clay Thompson. So too with Batman. And you know, you look at he's uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, I think Batman's the only superhero to have two solo films make a billion dollars. Yeah, that's true. Because Spider-Man had Iron Man in his first one, uh, which kind of helped out a lot. Even though Spider-Man film will make a fair amount of money no matter what. Yeah. Um, But so it doesn't surprise me that Pattinson's Batman became the number one most trending video because it's Batman. Um, Yeah. I mean, it really shows how popular Batman is because when a movie is made about his arch nemesis, Joker, I mean, a Joker movie made over a billion dollars. So, I mean, I can't think of a lot of other standalone villains that would make a billion dollars. I cannot. Uh, Me neither. neither. So, uh, and I'm not too shocked about the hype surrounding Zack Snyder's JL with it reaching number two, but now number three, which, by the way, it's now at number three because it got beat out by some makeup tutorial video. Uh, I Yeah, we can't control what people watch and what grabs people's attention, which makes my head hurt, like, but, oh, well. That's kind of sad, but the Batman it's... trailer, as of right now, is still number one. Because, but like I said, no shock there. No shock. Um, yeah. So... I mean, there is a fair amount of hype there. Um, But to finish up on Suicide Squad, before I move over to other things, overall, I'm still not certain that this movie won't... Like, I'm still not going to be shocked. Like, if the movie's good is one thing, if it does well at the box office is something totally different. Um, Yeah. I think it could be good. I really do. Seeing all the Suicide Squad characters in comic book accurate costumes, that gives me hope for the movie. Having more of the original characters in it, that gives me hope for the movie. Um, Yeah. So, I don't doubt if it will be good or not. My doubts come with, are people going to go see it? Because the first one was so awful. Like, so yeah. ha- has the damage been done with Suicide Squad, or can this film bring it back? I'm hoping that it's the second one, but that remains to be seen. Yeah, I think I think it'll bring it back. I think it'll bring it back. You know, that's just me. I believe I believe it'll bring it back. You can't, and and I'm just judging off the characteristics of what I've seen. You can never go wrong with zero studio interference and letting a director do the do. You can never go wrong if the director knows his comic book history and is choosing to go straight from the source. You can never go wrong with those two things. I have yet to see an example of a movie that follows the comic book source accurately and, you know, people not like it. So, I mean, you know. Man of Steel. Huh? Man of Steel. 
<sighs> man, uh, that's a whole nother discussion for a whole nother time, man. These people, the these Superman purists, man. These purists. No, but what I'm saying though is they didn't like it. I don't see like, bro. What? Look at Man of Steel from front to back. How do you not like it as a superhero movie? Let alone a Superman movie. It's the only Superman movie that is relevant to this time. How do you not like it? The score, the script, the villain, the Superman. How, like, hold on, <laughs> hold on. I would submit that the Christopher Reeves movie can be appreciated by every generation. I would. I, I got to push back on that. I'm not going to sit here and shit on the Christopher Reeve Superman. I'm not, I'm not crapping on the Reeve suit. I'm not saying that. I'm not. I would never do that. I totally, res- even though I've, you know, and I'm going to admit this, I've never watched the, the Reeve Supermans, but that oh doesn't. Oh my God. Look, listen to me. Everything listen to me, bro. I've ever said about Superman is now illegitimate because you're going to sit there and say it's the only Superman relevant to this time. Oh, and by the way, it's the only Superman film I've ever watched. No, no, listen to me. It's not the only Superman movie I've ever watched. But I will tell you this. Like I said, it doesn't take away from the respect that I have for the Reeves movies because that was the first. I'm not I'm not, I'm never going to take away from that. I'm never going to take away from that. And I already established this with you that pre-Man of Steel, I could care less I could have cared less about who Superman was. You know, I'd read comics, I'd read you know, up about Superman. And I could tell you that pre man of steel, pre Henry Cobble, I just never cared for him. I just didn't. So I've already told you that. So that's no surprise there that I didn't care, but I'm not taken away from, you know what I'm saying? Uh, That's not taken away from Reeves and saying that he's not relevant to every generation. I'm not going to say that. I would never take away that Sean Connery, Roger Moore, Pierce Brosnan aren't relevant to every generation as well. I'm never going to take that away just because my favorite James Bond is Daniel Craig. Never going to take that away. I'm not going to take away that Keaton is an OG Batman from other people. You just said that it's the only Superman film relevant to today. It's the only one that made it relevant for today. It's the only one that made made Superman relevant for today. It's the only one. That following along with the new 52 outline for Superman is what bought Superman into the modern day. I'm not saying that Reeves Superman is too too old. I'm not saying that Matt that his that uh Reeves Superman, you know, because he definitely did some things that warrant discussion even by today's standards. You know what I'm saying? I'm not gonna deny that. It's all he's always going to be relevant. Superman as a cultural icon, period, is always going to be relevant. But when you haven't made a movie and the last Superman you move Superman movie that you made pre Man of Steel was a copycat of Reeves. What what are you doing at this point? Like, come on, man. We just have to be honest. The last Superman movie they made pre Man of Steel was Superman Returns, which was a you know, sort of, you know, newish sort of take on, you know, Reeves Superman played by Brandon Ralph. Not saying Brandon Ralph was a bad Superman, but that that movie just wasn't it. It was your classic cut out, 
good and bad villain and think it was just that it was just that man and even reeves superman movies were deeper and better than that so i'm just i'm just saying bro just damn be- man i enjoyed superman returns it, it's an enjoyable movie but as for, as for advancing the character it just even superman's got he's got to have a new one every once in a while that's why i say that so i'm you know, but that's neither here nor there, man. It's just, and I'm I'm willing to go back and watch the, and go back and give the Reeves movies a watch. I grew up on the classic Superman cartoons. You know, it's a you know, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman, and the whole thing. I watched those cartoons over and over. I owned them on DVD. I used to, so you know, I had some Superman in my upbringing. Even though, despite me not watching Reeves, but I'm gonna go and watch Reeves, and I will honestly give you my opinion on those. I don't think they're bad, you know what I'm saying? Some people might think they are, but I'm gonna just go. I'll go check them for myself. Yeah, yeah. So the other part of fandom, uh, the other big announcement that or big reveal that we haven't really broken down is something that I think actually has been in the works and talks longer than anything else that got revealed was talked about. And yeah. that's uh, the first ever kind of official look at Dwayne Johnson's Black Adam. Yes. Uh, really quick, let me give you my thoughts, because I actually just watched the uh, um, the clip that was shown right before I came on here. Yeah. I just saw it, and um, I love it. I mean, that's to, to yeah. sum it up and just to say it as plainly as I can. I love it. I love the look. I think Dwayne Johnson's going to be a phenomenal Black Adam. I have no reason to think that this movie will be bad. Um, yeah. The, the only thing that concerns me is, but it kind of, this kind of does even out because I'm kind of concerned like how much money can a villain film make? Especially because Black Adam is not a tier one DC villain like Joker is. Because when it comes to DC tier one villains, I think the list, I I think it goes Joker, Lex, Darkseid, maybe or maybe not Brainiac. We can debate that. And then that's about it. And then there's a shit ton of tier two villains like Riddler, Penguin freeze uh uh zod people like that um yeah so i don't know how popular it will be but given that it's dwayne johnson and since he is the money making machine that he is i mean he really is he's one of these what you call box office actors if he is in it people will watch it simply because he's in it. Yeah. And I think Dwayne Johnson uh, being a superhero, I think a lot of people are going to find that very interesting. Yeah. And, and I, and I agree with that, man. Like you read, you made a couple references like earlier, like DC has nowhere to go, but up. And then you can't go much further than rock bottom, you know, pun intended for the rock, you know, as the rock bottom was his, signature move but you know and and you're absolutely right he is a box office draw and and for those who don't know you know 
who think Dwayne Johnson's just starting to move just to blow smoke out the movie theaters. He's not. This man does his research on every movie he plays in, you know, down from San Andreas because he wanted to give, you know, he they wanted to, you know, give the most accurate betrayal of everything down to, um, you know, his work with uh, um, Rampage. You know, he plays these roles and he gets down to being the most as as realistic as it can be for him in that role. And I don't think you can go wrong, especially with Black Adam. This man, I bet you he'll look at all the source material if he hasn't already and has already sort of adapted um, into that. So, like, I just have no doubt that Black Adam's going to be a success, you know. And Dwayne Johnson, box office draw. You can't you can't go wrong, especially now because Black Adam is more, more so than a villain now. He can sometimes be an antihero, which – if I'm not mistaken, is what they're um, what they're giving him now um, the label of now. He's going to be starring alongside the Justice Society of America uh, as well, the JSA. He's going to have Hawkman, Adam Smasher, you know, among those names along with him in this movie. So I mean, these are characters. They're also as well as Black Adam. These are characters that people have been requesting and waiting on forever to have put on the big screen Hawkman being the most hotly requested looking at all the comments. So like Dwayne Johnson's dedication to, you know, characters and story development and, you know, everything. I just think it's going to be awesome. And I'm, I can't be more excited. This man is motivation. Like even when I was a kid in high school, going to the gym, working out for football, I would be watching this man's workout videos to get motivated, bro. Like his whole routine, everything, like it's just bruh. So, I mean, it's Dwayne Johnson, man. I don't see how the, anything can go wrong. This, this movie is, I'm predicting right now that this is going to be a billion dollar movie. I'm predicting it. it. It's certainly possible. Uh, I'm, I'm having one thought though. I was thinking about this because I mean, you probably know the answer to this talking about, you know, who the he- the main hero is that Black Adam fights, um, being Shazam. Yeah. I wonder if, let me ask you this, a two-part question. Do you think that DC will try and make, given that Shazam and Black Adam, that they're the arch enemies? Yeah. Do you think they will make a Shazam versus Black Adam movie? And second, given that Shazam was a box office flop, do you think that a Black Adam versus Shazam movie would generate any interest? Um, okay, so the first question to that, repeat that first question one more time. The, 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 the first part of it is, do you think that they will make a Shazam Black Adam movie And then part two, if they decided to make a Shazam Black Adam movie, do you think it would generate a lot of interest? And the reason I bring that up is because Shazam flopped. Yeah. Um, Yeah, absolutely. In any world that you have Shazam, Black Adam will be in the midst. So a Black Adam versus Shazam movie will be inevitable. And, um, you know... Um, DC being in a more streamlined direction now post fandom, 
I think the focus is back to where it needs to be. Um, they've already announced the Shazam sequel, uh, Shazam Fury of the Gods, and rumors are that it's going to be not going to be dark. It's not dark at all. It's gonna, it's just going to be a tad bit more serious than the first one was, um, you know, which I can totally get behind. Um, and if they make it, will it generate enough interest to, for people to go see it? Absolutely. I think I think it would absolutely generate um, attention and hype, you know, um, because like I said, you can't mention Shazam without Black Adam. It just doesn't work. And then you have Dwayne Johnson's box office presence. That's going to generate interest. And it's all going to depend on how I'll say this, too. It all depends on how this Black Adam movie does. And as I told you, I think it's going to be a billion dollar movie because Dwayne Johnson has nothing but hits on his resume for like the past 10 years. So I don't, I don't think that there's any situation where a Shazam versus black Adam movie cannot generate interest. Like, you know, you're going to have this, this kid and Billy Batson and I can totally see that dynamic working. Like I said, I may not have liked Shazam personally because it was a lighter tone film, but in in essence of that, that's just who Shazam is. And that's fine. That's fine. So I, but I can totally imagine the dynamic, the ultra seriousness of Dwayne Johnson's uh, Black Adam coming into interaction with, you know, the goofiness of Billy Batson, a kid whose biggest concern is whether he's going to get to try a new flavor bag of chips, you know, and then, you know, going to save the world, possibly, you know, having fun with powers. I can totally see the two dynamics totally clashing and, making for some good making just for a good entertaining superhero story. So um yeah, I, I I don't totally see why not. That's inevitable. They're going to face off at each other uh eventually if you know if anything, possibly in, in the Fury of the God sequel. So who knows, man? Who knows? But yeah, for sure, interest sparked for sure. And and outside of even the movie, you know, when people go see it. You know, people went bat crap crazy. Where, and this is regardless of what people think about Batman v Superman. We've had these discussions. But, you know, once Batman v Superman was announced, the interest was immediately there. Like, oh, my gosh, you're putting Batman and Superman on the screen for the first time ever. Like, so I, I'm applying that same logic to Black Adam and Shazam. You put them on the screen, it's, it's going to work. But hold on a second. I do think there is a bit of a difference there because when when you're talking about Black Adam and Shazam, you're talking about two tier three characters. You're talking about two character, two much much lesser known characters, and, and I don't think you can compare that to the two most popular figures in superhero history. Because uh, when we talk about Batman and Superman, I mean, I'd have them at God tier, like above tier one, because yeah. not because I think they're the best superheroes. It's because the impact those two characters have had on the superhero genre. Yeah. I mean, you know, Superman is the alpha of superheroes. He was the first. He's the OG. He is the stereotypical hero. Yeah. Hero, and then you've got Batman, who he was the stereotypical, you know, just one guy trying to do the right thing, striking fear into the hearts of uh, of all that would do wrong. Yeah. So 
I mean, I don't know if the hype would be there as much. I mean, for DC fans, sure. Any of the, and I want to say that whenever I talk about hype, I'm never going to deny that DC fans will be hyped because I'd be hyped for a Shazam Black Adam movie, given right. it would be something we've never seen before. And this is one thing that Marvel has done way better than DC because DC just hasn't really done it at all. And that's give us different characters. Uh, yeah. When it comes to on screen, the big screen. Batman and Superman have been about the only characters to get any real attention from DC. Right. And, and don't you find that crazy, bro? Like, like, think about this. Don't you find that crazy that in the entirety of the live action DC existence, like Superman and Batman have been at the forefront? I mean, Wonder Woman had a TV show. Yeah. Um, you know, the Flash had a TV show. Yeah. But I'm like, for the most part of DC's live action existence, it's been nothing but like Batman and Superman until now. Now we have Wonder Woman. We had a Green Lantern movie, bad or good. At least they put a Green Lantern movie out, you know, like and now we're about to get a lot of variety here, you know. So that that does baffle me, bro. The fact that we just got our first Wonder Woman movie in like 2016, 2017. Like, I'm like, dang. <laughs> it doesn't baffle me because right now we're living in a time of where superheroes are the number one box office draw in theaters. Yeah. It was not always this act. Superhero films used to be the joke of cinema. They weren't taken seriously at all. They weren't considered, you know, they were just kind of like, for the children, you know, take little Tommy to go see this film to kill a couple hours. Yeah. That's how superhero films were perceived. Yeah. Uh, so it doesn't really shock me that companies weren't out there really trying to make a bunch of different movies with a bunch of different heroes. Right. Because that's a huge risk. And, you know, you look at the MCU, they started off with Iron Man, Thor, and Captain America. Yeah. You know, these guys, they by Marvel standards, they're the Avengers. So I guess you could argue all three of them are tier one. They started off with well-known characters. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't until the Avengers came out and made all that money and Marvel established themselves as this is something that's here to Yeah. Um it wasn't until then when they started releasing characters outside of Hulk, Thor, America. Right. After, it was after they had established themselves. And the reason being is I went and watched the Guardians of the Galaxy movie in 2008 when this all started. Nope. Nobody. Yeah. It would have flopped. So my point being is that I'm not shocked that companies haven't been just dying to throw more superheroes out there simply because superheroes have not always been the money machine they are now. In right. fact, in a lot of cases, they've been the opposite. They've lost a lot of money. Um, so it, it doesn't shock me all that much. Um, and, and it's not, and it goes past, I think it also has something to do with the fact that uh, DC hasn't really done a lot to hype up any characters outside of Batman and Superman in any form 
of anything, TV shows, comics, they basically only focus on Superman. Yeah. So, yeah, overall, I'm not too shocked, but I am glad that they're trying now. Yeah, and and I agree with you, bro. And I, I think the key to success for DC now is because you're gonna you're about to have some successes on your hands. You got the Joker as a success. The Batman's already a success. You know, um, I believe that you know Zach Shale is going to be a success already. I know it is. You know, and once you get those streamlines again, once you start, you know, getting back to you know making things that everyone likes, and you know, just getting back to that you can open up the door. You can open up your roster a little bit, but you have to get back established. You know, Marvel got established with the Avengers and then they were able to open up that roster a little bit. They were able to open up that roster, put up characters that people had never known. You know, us comic book people know, but the general audience would never know. DC can do the same, but they're just going to have to reestablish, you know, like they're doing now. And then once you do that, you can open it up. I absolutely love the fact that Marvel, once they got to the theaters and started making bees, they didn't just ignore the rest of the characters. They gave people Luke Cage. You know, people appreciate and love Luke Cage. They gave people Daredevil. They gave us the Punisher, my personal Marvel favorite of all time. I'm so thankful that they didn't ignore the hardcore fans who actually love those characters. And they they opened up that roster. They gave me the Punisher. They gave people Jessica Jones, you know, Iron Fist. They opened up the roster a little bit, you know. And so I think that DC can definitely uh, do the same thing, you know. And I'm not saying copy plan for plan because we're past that. But that may be an avenue source for DC. You know, if Marvel didn't put all those bigger known roster characters on the big screen, you know, they opened it up with the Netflix universe. Go ahead. You're already giving Catwoman a spinoff uh, for the Batman on HBO Max and uh, a Gotham Police series for HBO Max set in the Reeves universe. Open up that door a little bit with some other side projects for, uh, for DC as well and put them on HBO Max. Do that. You know what I'm saying? For those hardcore people who you know are going to watch it. And I, and I think that's a recipe for success right there if DC does that. No, I, I totally agree. I do think um, I do think that. Um, and honestly, I think we know at this point that DC's not about to plan for plan do what Marvel did. Yeah, and um, they don't need to. They don't need to. Well, I'm just going to say it wouldn't bother me at all if they did. Just given how Marvel doing what they did works so exceptionally well. Um, so yeah. it wouldn't bother me if they wanted to take it slow, making films, introducing characters, and then building that hype. Because yeah. building the hype is what made the MCU so damn successful. Like yeah. when, when you had Thanos showing up, I mean, this was a character that was in the makes for about a decade. Yeah. So it shouldn't shock anybody that his arrival would be the biggest event in cinematic history. Yeah. But we, we both know that they're not going to copy that. They've got their own thing going now. And, and like I mentioned earlier, I do have some concerns about the continuity and if people are going to be able to keep up. Um, yeah, because if people, 
I mean, I, I know this for a fact. If people can't understand it, nothing else matters. Because the, the whole, you know, we talk a lot about creative vision and everything else and what a director was trying to do. But the sad reality is, if people don't understand it, it's not created. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like, at that point, like, I can't explain to somebody and make them like a movie by my explanation. Yeah. The movie has to do all that talking on its own. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, and, you know, we'll, we'll see how all this plays out. And like I said, I mean, overall, I am very pleased and very impressed with what I saw at DC Fandom. I was yeah. very impressed with, uh, because I'm, I'm not going to lie, I'm the type of guy that if I thought that the Batman trailer just didn't look good, I'd be on here right now pissed off and saying, what the hell did I just see? Yeah. Um, but I was very happy uh, with what I saw from that trailer. I love what I saw from the, the Snyder Cut trailer. I was... Uh, it's certainly there's only one shot in that whole trailer that was in the Justice League trailer, only one, mm. and it and it was like a very split second scene. It was the one where Wonder Woman standing in front of Aquaman and Cyborg, and that was about it. That yeah. was the one shot. Everything else looked totally different, um, and the tonal uh, feeling of it was a complete 180. Because, you know, you watch the Justice League trailer or the Justice League trailer and it's like all fast paced, happy, a lot of action. But you watch this and it's just a depressing feeling. Yeah. And uh, so go ahead. And I, I was going to say, while we're at it, man, um, and, I, and, I, and I don't want to offend anyone, but while we're at it, man, I just want to show love to Wonder Woman 1984, man, that second trailer was off the hook and got me totally invested, you know, and the, and the reason why I haven't really shed any light on the, on Wonder Woman during the whole time we've been talking about DC fandom is because I expect Wonder Woman to be awesome. The first one was off the chain and I loved it. So like, I have no complaints. Stone Quarry, which is Zack Snyder's company, her and uh, him and uh, Patty, flesh this whole thing out ever since Zach decided to cast Gal Gadot and then Patty just took it from there and elevated it as well. You know what I'm saying? And made history with, you know, female superheroes. So I'm expecting more of the same for Wonder Woman 1984. We got a good look at Cheetah for the first time. Everybody is hyped about that. So you know what I'm saying? I, I, I'm showing love to Wonder Woman 1984. I think it's going to be lit. I actually haven't seen the trailer for that one yet. I'll give it a look, man. You'll love it, man. Give oh, it I'm look. sure. I mean, I really enjoyed the first one. I yeah. mean, honestly, I just today saw the trailer for uh, Gotham Knights, which looks amazing. Yeah. Um, And I'm excited to see DC trying to get back in the video game department because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Marvel, they had the, the Spider-Man game, and now they're going to have the... Uh, the Miles Morales Spider-Man game. Yeah. I think is going to be amazing. Um, and then, of course, Avengers is coming out. So I was kind of wanting for DC to announce something like, well, did we get a video game? And Yeah. And so for it to be uh, Gotham <laughs> and, and to be able to play 
as uh you know members of the bat family i think that's amazing yeah so, you know man overall just there's not much more i can say about fandom i was incredibly pleased with what i saw i think in terms of if it's all good i'm not going to speak too much on do i think it's going to work because that's yet to be seen yeah it's yet to be seen uh, how any of these films are going to play out. Um, but from what I've seen in trailers, I mean, there have been some trailers that have just knocked my hype for a movie and just been like, nah, you lost me. Yeah. A prime, exa- uh, a prime example would be the final trailer for Suicide Squad, the original one, the, the ballroom blitz trailer where everybody's just running around and it's all like fast-paced music and everybody's laughing. It was at that moment I was like, oh, no. Right. So, I mean, overall, I'm not going to speak much on do I think all this is going to work out. Maybe, maybe not. I will say that I'm very happy to see DC taking a bold risk like this. Yeah. Uh, We'll see if it pays off. But I'm just glad to see that they're willing to take that risk and get back in it. Because I've said time and time again that DC's got to take that risk if they want to get back in this. And when I say get back in this, I don't mean compete with Marvel. Right. I mean be relevant, have right. success, be seen as legitimate. Um, right. Because if we're being honest, that is not the things that have been said about DC as of late. The DCU has been a complete dumpster fire. Yeah. Uh, And there's, for me, there's a ton of reasons that go into that. More so than, you know, just Zack Snyder. I don't believe that the success of the DCU started and stopped with Snyder um, I think that the DCU initially was just a doomed project you know we've talked about this before I don't think that it was ever going to work um, but so but this might because this is this is actually different this is something new this is something that's uh, very ballsy yeah so I mean we'll see how it all plays out yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that, man. Total change of leadership. You know what I'm saying? They got Jim Lee, who, you know, is, to me, one of the greatest DC artists and, you know, storytellers of all time. You know, I think, you know, you got him at the head of things, Walter Hamada, you know, as well. They totally changed over leadership taking and and taking it away from, you know, from uh, Joff Johns and uh, everyone else, uh, Toby Emmerich or Emmerich, whatever his name was, and everyone who was at leadership during the time of switching for the DCEU. So, you know, I mean, and and, and I can't can't agree with with the fact that not of you not thinking that the success of the DCEU was tied to to Zach. I, I disagree with you there, but that's neither here nor there. But I can't. That's not what I said. What I said was, is that Snyder's removal was not the only reason that the DCU failed. I think that there's a lot more reasons than just that 
that went into it. All I said is that the success of the DCU did not start and stop with him. Okay, okay. I misinterpreted that. Okay, gotcha. And I think Aquaman proved that because that was the highest grossing DCU film of any of them. And Snyder didn't have anything to do with that one. And that was the highest grossing film. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I, I can. I can agree with that. So that's all I've ever said. And the, the, the whole reason and I just want to get this out there. The whole reason. And I think I can say this now because this is how I can word this. The reason another reason that the Snyder Cut fandom gets on my nerves is because I believe that DC is bigger. I mean, what happened to Zach was wrong. But I believe DC is much bigger than Zack Snyder. It is. He said, he said so himself. Yeah. There's a lot more here. So I don't believe Snyder was the end-all, be-all for if DC would have been successful or not. I think he was a big part. And I think them getting rid of him and doing that total tone shift was obviously a mistake. Nobody's been found to argue with that. But all I've ever said is, is that he, there's a lot more that went into why the DCU failed that goes past Zack Snyder. Yeah. I I, I don't buy into this narrative that everything with the DCU was just hunky-dory and everybody was eating it up like they did with the MCU at the beginning. And then it was only when Zack left or got forced out, that thing started to go downhill. I've never bought into that narrative, and I never will. Uh, I mean, well, well, there's no disputing the the stats that once he was gone, outside of Aquaman, there was a considerable change in difference for DC, but that's just one of the many reasons, like you said. That's not the only reason. There's obviously a lot more, you know, there too as well. I mean, and I wouldn't even say it was the biggest reason. It was a reason, but I think the overall biggest reason is just that I think a lot of people viewed the DCU as just a response to Marvel. I think that's, yeah. how, I think that's how a lot of people saw it, especially Which, yeah. the Warner Brothers executives. Yeah, which is what I hated, and I'm glad that those executives have been removed and they've streamlined things now because what matters more than anything is just DC doing their own thing. That's where the success is. And so, you know, all that beef, everyone who was causing trouble up there at the head office, you know, gone, put back down, back to where they belong, and we have new leadership ahead of DC that actually knows what they're doing. That's not going to cave in to the first, you know, sign of trouble. And that's actually going to stick through to what they, to what they set out to do. And I think that's all you can ask for, for DC. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I do think it's sad that Snyder won't be doing any more big films for DC in the future. Uh, yeah. If they I, tap them to do one, maybe, I don't know. Well, I mean, I do think the man established himself as a legit film director. I mean, even if you take out uh, Man of Steel 
and Batman v Superman. I can't say anything negative about Watchmen. Yeah. So I mean, I would say I would even go so far as to submit that he is in that this group discussion of you know directors who are without a doubt tied to the legacy of of DC. I would I would submit that you know, I would put him among the names of Chris Nolan and oh, oh. not look, no, we're not talking about best director or who we think, not that I'm saying, I'm talking about directors who contributed to the overall success of DC. I'm talking about directors oh. who contributed to building a legacy and legitimizing DC with their projects. I would definitely put him at the top of that, in that hat, in the ring with Tim Burton and Chris Nolan as director. Uh, he, he can be the yeah. one, he can be the one bringing Chris Nolan and Tim Burton water. He can be their water. Oh, bro. heck no, bro. Where's but, your respect, bro? No, this it's not bro. that I don't respect Zack Snyder, man, but I mean, I'll say he's a good director, but there's a fine line between being a good director and totally changing the game and being successful at it like Burton and uh, Nolan were. Zach is game-changing I mean, all me, day around, bro. To me, that is disrespectful to Chris Nolan to even That's... to even suggest that, How... Man, that Man of Steel and BVS have even a fourth of the impact on comic book movies that the dog did. That's just so, how, so hold on. That's, Explain this to me. How is it disrespectful to say that when it was Christopher Nolan himself who recommended Zach for the job to do Man of Steel, who had him hired on to do Man of Steel? And better I did not say I did not question Zach's ability as a director. He's a great director. I'm saying director. that the legacy. Oh. I'm saying that the legacy of Man of Steel and BVS is not even one-fourth of the legacy left by Burton's Batman films and not even a sixteenth of the Dark Knight trilogy. Debatable. Not, debatable. No, that's not debatable. That's not even, no. That's debatable. Because what did Man of Steel actually accomplish because, other than make Superman depressed? It didn't make Superman depressed. I mean, because you look at the Dark Knight trilogy, what did it do? It made superhero films legit. Got it him, made, got it made him, Batman legit. It got made them, Batman legit. Got them an Oscar. Never been done before. A superhero film won an Oscar. First superhero film to ever make a billion dollars. And the second one to ever make a billion dollars. So, you take that, which has been the last super successful thing DC's done, which put Batman on top of the friggin' world. I mean, that... It put that keyword. It put Batman on top of the friggin' world. It didn't put all superheroes at the top of the friggin' world. Come well, on. Given, well, given as the vice of his man is dealing BVS is, I mean, I wouldn't say that Zack Snyder exactly made Superman on top of the world. Bro, Superman was definitely on top of the world when Man of Steel got done. Come on, man. Yeah, all six hundred million dollars that it brought in on top Chris, of the world. Bro, Chris oh, oh, wait, 
But it's not about box office numbers when it comes to legacy. It's not about Oscars when it comes to legacy. It's, Chris, not, it's not about any of that when we're talking about Zack Snyder. Chris Nolan. What? The box office numbers for Man of Steel were 600. BVS, 800 million. Watchmen was done in 2007 or 2008. That was back before the Mark IV superhero movies was even a billion dollars. And it still did Dark good. Knight and Dark Knight Rises billion apiece. Come on, man. Don't, don't give me that, Eric. I'm not trying Come to disrespect. On. I'm not trying to disrespect Zach uh, Zach Snyder. But when you say that the legacy left by Man of Steel and BVS is comparable to that of the Dark Knight trilogy, I'm a. I mean, I I'm trying to stop from laughing. That is just that's incredibly disrespectful. To, to say that Watchmen, Man of Steel, and BVS were not impactful to the legacy of DC along with the Dark Knight trilogy I and Tim Burton's Batman. You're not listening. You're not listening, Eric. You're not listening. I'm not saying they didn't have a legacy. I'm not saying they didn't have somewhat of an impact. But I'm saying it is just absolutely untrue that the impact was equal to that of the Dark Knight trilogy. And no, that's not debatable. So you wouldn't throw Zach's name in there with Tim Burton and Chris Nolan? What other DC directors would you put in there? Come on, bro. Absolutely friggin' not. Chris Nolan Nolan told the world, he said this in an interview, that Zach is a unique perspective on the superhero genre and that the world would not be ready to see what this is. Chris Nolan said that himself. This so is not come on, some man. bullshit about unique perspectives that I keep hearing about. Yes, Watchmen was great. Yes. And it was and it's loved by DC fans. But when we're talking about legacy, game-changing films that straight up made people look at uh, superhero films a different way. Bro, you look at the Dark Knight shows you the fact that it got as popular as it did. It was the biggest thing since sliced bread when it it did things that were unheard of. It things that Man of Steel and BVS and even Watchmen, while yes, it was a good film, didn't even come close to obtaining. Like the Oscars, the Oscar nominations, the billion dollars. But let me guess, none of that has anything to do with building legacy. Because we're talking about Zack Snyder, right? I didn't. I, that's not what I said, bro. That's not what I said. I do not tie box office numbers to the success of whether I like a film or not. For the world, that may be the case, but not. We're not me. talking about whether you like the film or not, Eric. We're talking about the legacy of the film. Because how much you like a film is subjective. Because you can say that BVS was better than all three of the Dark Knight movies, and I can't argue with that. I would never that say was, that. <laughs> because that's a subjective opinion. That's just a subjective opinion we can go back and forth on. But when we talk about legacy, and we talk about films that are going to be remembered 30 years from now, I mean, bro, people are still talking about the Dark Knight trilogy as the best superhero trilogy of all time. This is even MCU, the die, the most die hard of the MCU fans still love and appreciate the Dark Knight trilogy and especially Heath Ledger. So I'm, I'm sorry. I, I cannot say that. I mean, dude, that would be like saying 
Nick Foles has had the same impact in the NFL as Tom Brady in terms of legacy. That's oh, just- come on, man. That's a bad comparison. Nick Foles, come on, man. No, it's not because Nick Foles has his one Super Bowl. He's got that one little tro- – he's got that to his name. Good job. Good job, Nick. But then you've got Brady. He's over here. He's got hits for days. That's it's- like think- that's like saying Zack Snyder only has one good movie. That's basically what you're saying. Yeah, and that's about true. Wow. Oh my gosh. The desperate wow, bro. I'll give him I'll give him 300 watchmen and yeah, I guess Man of Steel. So there there's three good films. But that's three good films compared to three box office smash hit classics. Do you really want to compare it? So so and even by that record, even by that stat, I would even I would even go so far as to say volume of movies and how many hits you have wouldn't matter. It's about the ones you have. I would say that Quentin said he's only doing 10 movies and yet all the ones he's done. So he's done so far are masterful, masterful. Yeah, I would admit to that. And yeah. I would say the same thing of Zack Snyder, that every single movie this man has touched from Dawn of the Dead to Guardians of Gahul to Sucker Punch to Watchmen to MOS and BVS, straight up, legit, masterful. And, I would and, and that. Eric, and listen, and that is your opinion. You are entitled to it. But you have done absolutely nothing to argue the point I made about the legacy of the films. Because when we talk about legacy of a film, that's when we do start talking about box office and cultural impact and uh, uh, accolades that the films get, like so, Oscars. So, so hold on. Oh, so because oh. so because Watchmen, MOS, and BBS didn't win Oscars or gross a billion, that somehow makes them not good movies worthy to be and mentioned. This, among Eric, no, th- this is going to be the most disrespectful thing I ever say to you, and I mean this with all due respect. That's spoken like a true Snyder Cut fan. But let me say what I just said. I am a true in. Snyder Cut fan. I ain't never denied I wasn't. But let me say this. I'm not, once again, I'm not talking about the movie if it's good or not. Because once again, it's subjective. I'm talking about legacy. Legacy just, is subjective. No, it's not. Yes, it is. There, bro, there are people out there who still believe that in legacy retrospect, Joe Montana will always be better than Tom Brady, even but, though despite the fact Tom Brady has six Super Bowls to his name. People will still sit there and argue that with you. still has four, Eric. Joe Montana still has four. He still has a shit ton of accolades. That's a terrible comparison. That's a, that's terrible, that's comparison. a terrible comparison because when I say – of what the Dark Knight trilogy did, it legitimized superheroes and made it look at them a different way. It legitimized Batman because Batman was coming off a run of terrible live action movies, and me and you both know that. It legitimized Batman. If that was the case, Iron Man wouldn't have been a success that year, and Watchmen wouldn't have been a success that year. So it legitimized and skyboarded Batman for the new century, not all superheroes. I will submit that to you. Wait, what? What are you talking about? Iron Man and what? What? You said that the Dark Knight trilogy, the Dark Knight trilogy in a whole, made superheroes more serious, right? Yes. Legitimized them for the whole world. Yeah. I would submit to you that it only did that for Batman himself. 
not for all superheroes. Okay, so then by that logic, Man of Steel only did it for Superman. Yeah, I'm not saying that's what I said. I never said Man of Steel revolutionized the superhero drama for all superheroes. I said it brought Superman into the 21st century. But let, let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. Don't talk to me about if the movie's good or not. Okay. Don't. I'm not going to have that argument. Don't talk to me about that. Okay. Explain to me how a film that made $600 million has the same cultural impact as a film like The Dark Knight that gave Heath Ledger his Oscar and got a billion dollars and was the biggest film that year. Explain to me how those films have equal legacies. Go ask the people that watched it. Go ask other people that watched it and you will get your answer to that. Like I said, The Dark Knight, yes, it got its billion. Yes, it won an Oscar posthumously for Heath Ledger. Well deserved. And in doing so, continues to legitimize and skyrocket Batman. Yes, the way Man of Steel did that was that it brought Superman into the 21st century as a character. Despite whether you think the movie is good or not, the movie modernized Superman. Updated origin story. Better villain, if I'm not mistaken, than uh, the old Reeves uh, General Zod. And a plethora more of things, visually wise. We'll never get another Superman movie like that again. We won't. We just won't. That's what? legacy in retrospect. But I'm talking about like having like 20 years from now, people look back on the Dark Knight trilogy and they're going to say one of the best trilogies of all time totally changed the game. What Nolan did was absolutely revolutionary, given making these heroes so human. For sure. Yeah. And it, and it worked exceptionally well. Yeah. And like I said, given that it was so big as it was, the biggest trilogy at the time, now it's been surpassed by Cap and other MCU films, but at the time, it was the biggest thing. It was yeah. massive. And I don't think it's subjective to say that Man of Steel did not reach that same accolade. Man of Steel, 20 years. Man of Steel has an anniversary celebration, bro. Come on. Batman v Superman has one every year. 20 years from now, Man of Steel and BVS and Watchmen deservedly will still be talked about just as much as the Dark Knight trilogy. Bullshit. Not. Bullshit. Not. That that is I, I'm not I, I'm done talking about Zack Snyder on this. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't freaking do it. <laughs> and, and look, and this is bro, this is just what it comes down to. This is it is what it is, man. Warner Brothers effed up. And I told I sent you this screenshot, bro. I sent you the screenshot where that person on YouTube said people are gonna look at this movie and be like, why in the heck did you cut this from, from everything in the first place? What did I say was gonna happen? When you botch the man you hired to do the jobs done movie, people are gonna watch this movie and be like, Why in the fuck did you not put this movie out in the first place? And we would have loved it. That's what I'm <laughs> This whole thing, DC cinematic tie outside of Aquaman, we're tied to the man. I hate to say it, but it's just true. The same way that the Chicago Bulls success was tied to Michael Jordan, 
because they haven't had success since. It was tied to that, bro. It just was. Now, maybe they're moving on from that, and that's fine, which I think they need to do because I don't know how Warner Brothers is going to act doing forward. Hey, Eric, let me ask you a question. What role did Zack Snyder play helping Todd Phillips direct Joker? None. Todd what did he had do? nothing to do with the DC Cinematic Universe. But that's, I mean, that's still DC, and that's success without Zack. That's fine. That's I'm not taking away from Todd. I went to go see the movie myself. I was rooting for it to do good, and it did just that. I'm, dude, talking, all, about, I'm all talking about I'm this cinematic universe game. Wait, real quick. Let me go back to what I was saying. Maybe I can explain myself better. When I say legacy for a film, when I'm talking about when I'm talking about legacy, and and I look at what the Dark Knight trilogy accomplished. And what it accomplished was it took, and you can say it was just Batman, but it was still a superhero film. Yes? Yeah. So it was the first superhero film to take heroes, even though, well, no, I think Batman Begins came out before Watchmen, didn't it? In 05. Yeah, in 05. It was 05. Okay, so it was the first one to really humanize characters. And it was the first one to do all that. And not only that, it was the first ever, and if I'm not mistaken, only one since, where the Academy looked at the film and said, this guy right here did so good, we're going to give him a nomination with Heath Ledger's Joker. Which, for me, yes, Oscars do play a huge role in legacy. That is what they do. That's what they're for. It's an uh, not now, of course, we talk now, it's become a lot more political. Mm-hmm. But but even still, I still submit the Oscars still have a huge impact with legacy, cementing your legacy as a phenomenal actor. That's the reason why Daniel Day Lewis is propped up like he is. Three mm-hmm. Oscars. That's insane. So there's that. And on top of all that, there's the insane amount of money these films made. Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. That's a billion a pop. I'm saying. Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, neither of those films accomplished anything I just mentioned when it came to Oscars, when it came to box office, and when it came to just overall the hype around those films and how big they were. And if you want to talk about that subjective at having hype or not, well, no, hype isn't subjective because hype is directly reflective of how brought in that's a direct if there's a lot of hype for a movie a lot more people are going to go see it if there's not a lot of hype for it there will be saying i am not saying that Zack snyder had no impact and that he's a trash director i'm not saying that i don't want you to think that's what i'm saying i don't but what i am saying is that no the nolan trilogy had a much bigger impact legacy-wise for DC. You, know, you can say, well, it was just... But Batman team DC, so whatever is good for Batman is good for DC, no matter what way you want to slice it. Uh, so... I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to deny that. 
but to deny Zack Snyder a seat at that I'm table. Not, I'm not I'm not denying him anything by saying that well I'm not gonna give the man an accolade he hasn't earned. <laughs> I'm not gonna give him because see Eric, you've got this bad habit where people do one or two good things and you start putting them up there with the all time greats. I mean it takes a little bit more than that to be considered an all time great. Wow. I mean, I don't even see, I mean, I don't even understand how you can argue that. I mean, I mean, saying that, I mean, you know, like Luka Don, okay, here's a great example right now. It's like Luka Doncic being compared to LeBron because hot right now, he's doing good, but he ain't LeBron James. He ain't got that legacy. No. And there's your Snyder Nolan right there. No, it's not, bro. No, it's not. Because Zach has been in the game. He's been making good movies and movies that have legacy. And to I'm just saying, and I'm and look, I'm not freaking saying like, okay, uh, I'm not denying the impact of the Dark Knight trilogy or Christopher Nolan. I'm not denying how big the impact was with Tim Burton's Batman. My argument is is that the legacy of DC period. To deny Zack Snyder a seat at that table, saying that he did not contribute to the legacy of DC as much as Chris and Tim did, is criminal. That's just a fact. That's criminal. That's No, it's not. Look, I'll even give you this. I'll even change it up to say that Tim Burton and Zack and Chris can probably all be at different tables. They can probably all be at different tables, but the biggest table, the one that's in the center of the room, all eyes, one seat at that table, and it's got Christopher Nolan's name on it. No, I'm not going to give Zack Snyder that kind of accolades. Not because I think... That's not criminal, Eric. That's not criminal. I mean, I don't... Yeah, you may. I mean, I'm not, I don't understand how saying that somebody hasn't had the impact that Nolan has is saying they're bad. I don't understand that. How is that saying that? How, how is that disrespectful? Because it's, a, it's someone who's earned that, bro. He may not have as how? many, these, he may not have as many directors, mo- how many, as many movies under his belt as Chris does. He might not have Oscars, which, I mean, the Oscars or any awards have, have never really paid attention to Zach's movies anyway. Not not using that as an excuse, but just saying, in general, I'm like, when we talk about DC movies, when we talk about DC movies' legacy, sure, Chris, Tim, and Zach are the trifecta of directors that contributed to that. That's all I'm saying. Eric, at best, I'm going to give you like the Miami Heat big three and Chris Nolan is LeBron James, D. Wade is Tim Burton, and at best, Zack Snyder is Chris. Oh, hey, oh, 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 God. Oh, God. That's the Heat big three. I'll give you that. Or I'll give you a, I'll give you a Spurs big three. Nolan is Duncan. Burton is Tony Parker. Snyder can be Manu Ginobili. Jesus Christ, man. And if you say anything negative about Manu Ginobili, you're going to I'll never speak off. negative on Manu Ginobili, but Jesus Christ. 
So it should be an honor that Zach gets that recognition. Jesus Christ. That is recognition. I don't understand how saying that somebody isn't just the best director of all time and has just really impacted DC. Best director of all time is subjective. But. Well, sure. But saying the impact they had on D- I mean, you and Zack Snyder would be... I don't even think Zack Snyder would say that he's had the legacy that Nolan's had. No director would say that they would have the legacy that they have. That's just not how they are. Chris Nolan wouldn't say that. Chris Nolan's a humble guy. No one's going to self-admit that, oh, I did this for such and such and such and such, and this is how it is now. No director's going to say that. Let me put it to you this way. In the eyes of the general public, which is the overwhelming makeup of who goes sees movies, the public, are you going to sit there with a straight face and tell me that Man of Steel had the same impact with those people as The Dark Knight? I will retort to your earlier statement from an earlier podcast that Zack Snyder is not for everyone. I will, st- I will say that. I'm willing to say that. He may not be for the general public. He may not be for that. That's okay. That that I can I can I can concede that that Zack Snyder's movies aren't for everyone. So they're can, not for everyone, but yet still overall, his movies helped out DC as much as the Nolan trilogy. I'm not arguing how, who contributed how much. I'm not arguing that. I'm arguing that he contributed. Period. Not how much, I'm just saying, period. But so did Joel Schumacher. So let's give him a seat at the table, too. No, because it wasn't something for the advancement of DC. Yeah, it was. I'm I'm sorry, but Batman Forever and Batman and Robin did nothing to contribute to Batman, let alone DC. Batman Forever grossed out more money than the previous two did. I could say it that way. That doesn't mean nothing if 20 years, 30 years later, people are making fun of the movie like it's a freaking joke. Yeah. And who, nothing. and who was the director that got them out of that hole? Chris Nolan. Okay. And who what? continued the legacy after Chris Nolan put it down? You Zack mean, Snyder. You mean who dropped the ball? Who dropped the ball? Who dropped the ball with Batman and Superman? Who? It wasn't Zack. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on, man. All I'm saying is with a it it just I can't understand what you're trying to say. I mean, yeah, Zach, there's a difference in contributing and contributing as much as Nolan did. There's a difference there. There's a vast difference. But to deny what I'm saying I'm not is, denying Zach anything, Eric. I'm not saying you are. I'm just talking in general. I'm just not going to get up here and say, yeah, the legacy of MOS and BVS has the same legacy as the Dark Knight trilogy. That's not what I'm saying, bro. So what the hell are you saying, Eric? You I'm saying that it, 20 years from now, when we talk about the directors who contributed to DC being where it is, we are going to mention Tim Burton, Christopher Nolan, and Zack Snyder. That is what I'm saying. The man gets a seat at the table, period. Look, Eric, I know Zack's your homeboy and everything, but, I mean, 
I would say, look, and if we're talking, bro, you didn't see my top five directors list. I put George Lucas at number one. Yeah. So even overall, like, come on, man. But you also had Zack Snyder on that list. I did. And you left off directors like Martin Scorsese, who's got way more than Zack. What did I say? What did I say earlier? Best director is subjective. Their directors, best director of all time is subjective to the project that they put out, the audiences and the people that they touch with those projects. The, the, bro, it's endless. But, okay, let me ask you this question one last time. Just so, let me get this straight. Because You're saying that just because Zack Snyder contributed to some degree the success of DC, he should be given a table with Chris Nolan. I'm saying that Man of Steel was a masterpiece. I'm saying Batman v Superman was a masterpiece. I'm saying Zack Snyder's Justice League is already a masterpiece. And in retrospect, that legacy alone is enough to put him at the table with Chris Nolan and Tim Burton. That equals what Nolan did. Because, see, my view is this. This is my view is that, sure, some directors have contributed, but then there are some who totally knock it out of the park and take an entire franchise to a place it's never been. So, I mean, as a whole, Nolan coming along in a superhero film making a billion dollars, that's unheard of at the time. The superhero films were a joke before that. Yeah, and he didn't take a superhero-type approach to to do it either. That's what made it so unique. Which again, incredibly revolutionary. Changed the game. Oscar winning movie, billion dollars here, billion dollars there. That's legacy. That is legacy. That's you. See, my take is, yes, you can give Snyder and even Burton seats at a table. But what I'm saying is, if we start getting into how much they contributed to the success. I mean, dude, that's like saying Chris Bosch contributed equally as much as LeBron James did when the Heat beat the Spurs. Nobody would say that. Yeah, did Chris Bosch do a lot to keep him in the game? Yes. He had a crucial block on the Spurs in game six for the Heat to win the series. It was a huge play. Good job, Chris. But LeBron James was the driving force, the man, that guy. And that's why he's at his own table. I am not in any way, shape, form, or fashion denying Zack Snyder anything. I am not denying him that he, you know, he took a risk with Superman and made it work. Batman v Superman, even though it was choppy, I submit that it was a solid film. I give him that. But to me, that and many, many others, that does not equal a trilogy that completely redefines superhero movies. Won an Oscar over, you know, a billion dollars here and there. That legacy, to me, is much bigger than Zack's with what he did for DC. And I don't understand what you can show me to say otherwise, other than some subjective feelings about Zack Snyder. 
I cannot make you like or appreciate Zack Snyder's movie. So there's no way that I'd be able to do that. There's it's no way I could that do I don't it. appreciate. Oh my gosh, I feel like I'm losing my mind here. I'm not saying I don't appreciate him or think he's a good director. All I am saying is that the Dark Knight trilogy as a whole, as a whole, with the billion dollars it made and the Oscar that it had, and just for the films being as universally loved as they were. Did some people dislike them? Sure. But that's the minority with that one. And to say that Snyder's movies, I'm not saying that the Dark Knight trilogy is way better than MOS and BBS, because like I said, that opinion is objective. I'm just saying the cultural impact that these films had, Nolan's was much bigger. I respect your opinion on that. I respect it. Well, I mean, frankly, it doesn't matter if you respect it or not, because it's true. Well, first look at the Oscars. Boom. Legacy. Look at the way people look at that trilogy now. It's not divisive. It's loved. Well, that doesn't, I mean, so so that means every director now has to make things that everyone's going to love, right? That's is is that what it's come is that what it's come down to with, with Hollywood and movies? Yeah. They should make good movies, yeah. It has to be for everyone to love it. Is that is that what it has to be now? If you're talking about legacy and impacting and actually bringing success to DC, then yes, more people liking it would be good. I respect it, man. I respect it. I mean, I just don't understand the counter argument in terms of. Because every time I've asked you for the counter argument, you just give me the same generic Snyder response about. Because that's the truth. That's just the truth. So because he directed two films and he tried something different, he gets a seat at the table with Nolan. Those movies were there, bro. They were the ones. That did what? But it's just the truth. That did what? That showed that superheroes could be different. Yes, Nolan did it as well. But we can't deny that Zack didn't do it either. And people on the outside are like, well, here's a guide to Zack Snyder's movies and how and what they did are different. And they all point to some cliche, you know, oh, Zack Snyder's a good visual director. Uh, BS. No, no, not at all. And I've and I've and, and and I can't I can't tell you these things because I've been explaining it over and over again for three years. And if people don't understand why Zack Snyder is a freaking genius by now and why his legacy contributes to DC in a big way as well, I don't know what else I can say. I don't. Is it possible the legacy's just not there? Have you ever considered that? I don't know, man. I wouldn't. Nobody would gather around to watch Man of Steel for a seventh anniversary or ten year anniversary, nor BBS if the legacy wasn't, or a or a party, a watch party, and an anniversary for Watchmen and or Three Hundred and or Dawn of the Dead if would, the would legacy wasn't so, there. There's a very fine line between that. There's got to be a vast difference in nobody caring about the film at all versus we're talking about Dark Knight territory. But there's there's a vast middle ground there. Well, that yeah, there is a middle ground because somebody does care about those movies. 
Well, if, sure. I'm not. If, saying, yeah. I, I feel like you're thinking I'm saying that nobody cares about Snyder or no one's appreciating him. No, I, I'm saying that. No. I appreciate the dude. I I understand what he tried to do. I get it. I'm submitting to you, though. It's not that Zach is bad. It's just that Nolan proved with the Dark Knight trilogy that he's a God-tier director. And people agreed. I agree with that. Nolan is a God-tier director. I also agree that Zach is a God-tier director. And see, the only reason I push back on that is because, like I said, you know, you get to the legacy of the films. 20 years from now, people are going to look back at the Dark Knight trilogy and remember it as the greatest trilogy ever. One of, if not the best. It's, I mean, but like you and I have continuously said, man is still in BVS both. Incredibly divisive. And I'm not taking shots at Zach here. I'm just saying that it's one thing to be a director with a legacy. It's another thing to have a Chris Nolan level legacy. There are different levels of legacy. And what I'm submitting to you is that Zach Snyder's legacy is not where Chris Nolan's is. Thank you for joining. This has been another edition of J House Radio.